Good morning, everyone. Please turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, beginning to read at verses 1 through to verses 3. The Gospel according to Matthew, reading the first three verses. Let's read together. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so far we read together from the word of God. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we ask that as we come to your word, that it will give us light and life. For your name's sake, amen. So we come this morning to the second sermon in our new series called Blessed. It is a series of sermons based on the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes themselves, they are part of that most known portion of Jesus' teaching called the Sermon on the Mount. It is made up of those three chapters, chapter 5, through to chapter 7 of of Matthew's Gospel. John Stott has described the Sermon on the Mount as the most known and yet the least practiced part of Jesus' teaching. Therefore, you and I should count ourselves as privileged this morning, not only this morning, but for the couple of weeks to come, that we get to sit under Jesus' teaching through the Beatitudes. We are like Mary of Bethany who get to sit down and listen earnestly to the Lord as he teach himself. Now what Jesus is doing here in this chapter 5 of Matthew's Gospel, he paints a detailed portrait of his followers or at least what he wants his followers To be like. This is what we call or we can call a believer's portrait. A portrait of what it means to be a Christ follower. Matthew begins in verses verses 1 by telling us that Jesus went up to the mountainside in order to teach his disciples. Some scholars have suggested that Jesus went up to the mountainside to deliberately draw the parallel between him and Moses. Moses who went up to the Mount Sinai in order to receive the law of God. Here Jesus was somebody greater than Moses He went up to the mountain in order to give the law. This was, however, a new law and for the new age, the age that was brought by Jesus. So today we get to look at the first of the eight Beatitudes. Some people have translated the Beatitudes as happy are the poor, Oh, happy are those who mourn. 
But what Jesus is doing here is not really prescribing the recipe for happiness. We all know that happiness is very, is very subjective and dependent on circumstances in which we find ourselves. For example, many of us are not happy today because of the circumstances and conditions in which we find ourselves, which were imposed to us with a lockdown, COVID-19 lockdown. We're not happy because of the alcohol burns. We're not happy that we cannot go to our favorite restaurant and sit and enjoy ourselves. But I want to suggest that even though we are unhappy because of these circumstances in which we find ourselves, we can still experience the blessing of God. We can still take comfort to the fact that even through our, our unhappiness, we can take comfort that God is in control. Nothing happened without him knowing. The psalmist described him as from everlasting to everlasting, he is God. He is God of history. He sits on his throne. So what Jesus is doing here is not giving us a recipe for happiness, but rather he is declaring the values and standard which God approves and God blesses. When we possess these values, when we seek to leave ourselves under these values and standards, Jesus says to us, we are blessed. So they are not necessarily conditions for happiness, but rather they are values which God approves and God blesses. So a blessing is more important than happiness. We have before us, not necessarily this morning, but in the course of these weeks to come, we have these eight Beatitudes. And the great church father of the fourth and the fifth century, that great John Christosom, said these eight Beatitudes, they form a golden chain. And the first four links of this chain, they seem to describe our relationship with God, that we are to be poor before God in spirit. We are those who mourn and those who are meek, those who are hungering and thirsty after his righteousness. And then the last four of this golden chain seem to describe not so much our relationship with God, but our relationship with other people. We are to be merciful, we are to be pure in heart, we are to be peacemakers, even if persecuted. So we come this morning to the very first beatitude. That's what we're going to be thinking about. And as we come to it, we need to remember that what this first beatitude seeks to teach us is how can we relate to God. It says, blessed are the poor. Now, it is well known that 
Luke's version of this beatitude omits the word in spirit. What Luke says, he says, blessed are you poor. And because of this omission of that word in spirit, there is an a debate within the community, the Christian community. And that debate seeks to answer this question. What kind of poverty was Jesus referring to? Was it a spiritual poverty or was it a material poverty? Others have come to the conclusion to suggest that maybe Luke was wrong or Matthew was wrong. But in order for us to get the balanced understanding of what Jesus was referring to, we need to go back to the Old Testament. And there in the Old Testament, we discover that the Old Testament concept of poverty included both material and spiritual poverty. The materially poor in the Old Testament they are the people who are needy and oppressed. And those who are spiritually poor, they are those in their plight. They cried out to God for mercy and they look to him alone for deliverance and blessing. Now, the kingdom of God the kingdom of heaven, which Jesus brought and proclaimed, is good news to both of these kind or these forms of poverty. To the spiritual poor, those who acknowledge that they have nothing with which they can buy the favor of heaven. They have nothing to contribute to their own salvation. Therefore, they come to God saying, Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. And those who acknowledge their spiritual poverty, even their spiritual bankruptcy before God, Jesus tells us here that they receive the free gift of the kingdom of heaven. They receive this offer of God. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And those who are materially poor, on the other hand, the kingdom of God and the kingdom, the, the kingdom community offers them new love. It offers them a new concern and new pursuit for justice. As a result of that, they receive new dignity as members of the people of God. As those who were oppressed and needy by becoming part of God's people, they receive this new dignity, this new identity, and this new justice. And therefore the kingdom of God comes to both those who are materially poor and those who are spiritually poor. It comes to them as good news. They are no longer oppressed. So what Luke is doing and Matthew does here, he lays emphasis on the other and while Matthew lays emphasis on the other, 
but both of these kind of poverty, they are included in this teaching. These spiritual poor, whom Matthew is talking to, they do not imagine themselves that they can buy eternity. Now they don't think of themselves that they are able to contribute to their own salvation. I wonder if you recognize that this morning, that there is nothing you can contribute to your own salvation. How proud we are, how arrogant we are to think that we can contribute to our own salvation. And yet thank God for clarity of theology, which reminds us this truth, that there is absolutely nothing you and I can bring to contribute to our own salvation. It was William Temple who put this truth succinctly for us. He said, the only thing of my very own which I contribute to my redemption is the scene from which I need redemption. The only thing I bring to my own salvation is the scene for which I need to be forgiven. I need God's redemption. So there is nothing you and I brings. There is nothing you and I can contribute. That's what it means to be poor in spirit. That's what it means to be to be spiritual bankrupt. It is to acknowledge our spiritual poverty. It is to acknowledge our spiritual bankruptcy and therefore cry out to God alone for mercy and for his rescuing salvation through which we receive this blessing. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. Do you recognize your own spiritual bankruptcy? Do you cry out to God for mercy and rescue? And if you do that, Jesus says, you are blessed. For yours is the kingdom of God. May we be those who acknowledge our spiritual poverty, who are not proud to think that we contribute to our own salvation. For nothing in our hand we bring. But we thank God for his cross, which embraces us and includes us and brings us to his kingdom, where we receive the new identity and the new dignity and become part of his people. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we confess with shame how we have thought that we bring something to your kingdom which enable us to earn our salvation. But here in this teaching of the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount, you remind us that ours is undeserved mercy which we received by looking down in ourselves and acknowledge that nothing would bring to contribute to our own salvation. 
We worship you, King of Kings. Amen.